This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free.
getting. I was drunk. No, was that him? Yeah. Yeah, but that was a David Allen Coe song. Correct. Run by Waylon Jennings. Yeah. We actually listened to Waylon Jennings last night. Okay. Some well, crossovers. Waylon Jennings. No, Waylon, Waylon Jennings. Jennings. Right. Uh, he was known as Haas. Uh, he was the narrator in Dukes of Hazard with this band, and it was later in later in life he started talking way more. People in the band and the crew called him Chief. He was written up as the Telecaster Cowboy as a guitar in the band. Okay. Old number one in Japanese. He got that in the junior because of his gigs in Japan. They didn't make a lot of money as a senior in Japan. So they felt kind of like, well, we don't know that we need to sign him. So mm-hmm. yeah, he's old number one right here. And I asked my dad, "You're the guy. Go ahead." And my dad said, "Sign me right now." So, so speaking of family, uh, my nephew's name is Watasha. Waylon. It's like Watasha. We'll call him Watasha from now on, or Chief. Wayway or Hoss or Waybay. Hey, and this is the first country, old country song that we are uh, subject. We had it uh, a while ago. Yeah, no, Merle Haggard was the last show we talked about. That was a while ago. So this is good. This yeah, is fun. I, I wanted to bring it back good. around yep. for you. I know you like the country cowboy stories and the West and all that. So I like the vibe. Yeah. Last time I gave you a porn hit with Stripper Girl, and uh, we're going to the old nursery. Good grief, my reverend. It's <laughs> Same stories. Yeah. Drugs, alcohol, imprisonment. That's our show, dude. That's, That's our what show. we talk about. <laughs> June and hard seltzer. Hard seltzer. June 15th, 1937. Uh, born Wayland, Arnold Jennings, in Littlefield, Texas, USA. What do you mean, Wayland? We'll get there. He was born on the J.W. Bittner Farm in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. It's about 25 miles northwest of Lubbock, Texas. That's where he was born and raised. He's a Texan. He's a Texan. Now we can talk about things that aren't Texas. Got parents, his dad, William Albert Jennings, farmhand, but descended from Irish and Black-Dutch ancestors. His mom's reign was mistress Shipsby, and he shared some English. Also, what do you mean Black-Dutch? What's that? Black-Dutch is a term in, uh, adopted in the U.S. in the 1800s for families of mixed-race ancestry and especially Native Americans. So it sounds like both his parents were part Native American, part Native American. So he's like three-quarters did not know that. Me cool. neither. All right. And the name you were talking about, Wayland, okay, was on his birth certificate. They almost called him Galen Haggard, but his dad was the chief executive for the Corporation of Cattle. So uh, a lot of friends are asking Lorraine. They're like, uh, or L-O-R, yeah. They're asking her uh, if he was named after the local college, Wayland Baptist College, or University. Wayland. Wayland Baptist University. She changed the spelling to what we all know, Waylon, W-A-Y-L-A-N. Wayland Jennings said, quote, I didn't like Waylon. It sounded corny and hillbilly. But seemed good to me. Yeah, well, he's a hillbilly. So he's Texas, so to speak. Way, what, uh, Waylan, L-A-N? L-A-N. Waylon. Waylon. Okay. Okay. 1945, age eight, Waylon's mom starts teaching him guitar. Both of his parents were duly accomplished, like, sort of home musicians, so to speak. They would actually play the dances and parties around the house. His mom didn't like it sometimes because she had to hold Gil's dad's harmonica in pledge. Oh. Uh, but they didn't have harmonica holders back then, so they were doing it that way. Yeah, when you were being so dumb. <laughs> and he has a. He 
didn't have a harmonica holder? No. Well, he did. It was his wife. <laughs> Why would I buy a per I already have a perfectly good harmonica holder. Two dollars? Why would I'm not spending two dollars on a harmonica holder. <laughs> Waylon's dad uh, was such a big fan how of big music. Of a fan, how, how big of a fan of music was he, Brian? He's a windmill! That's how big a fan he was. Uh, his dad would uh, pull his truck up to the house and run booster cables to the radio antenna so they could pull in the radio line. On, onto his up to the house. That's what it said. It said he pulled his truck up to the side of the house. He'd run booster cables, I guess, from the house to the truck? That's what I'm thinking. So he could listen to the Grand Old Opry on the truck radio. I don't know if he had a truck radio in 1945. Why would you? Because you wouldn't have that radio. I don't know. Maybe he didn't have electricity. I guess I never thought of it as a kid. Yeah, he did grow up in a dirt poor house. You're right. So there you go. So they yeah. something. Something happened where he had to use the vehicle. They rigged it up to where they could pull in the Grand Old Opry. <laughs> they were all happy bouncers. And, and, and folks, for anybody keeping score, do we all remember the name of the automotive the Grand Old Opry supporting them? Okay. So Brian will be close. There you go. Yeah. Brian got it. Ooh. I often forget. Blinding, blinding with hindsight. Oh, wow. Uh, around 10 years old, Waylon started performing at family gatherings, and he took these talents to the local youth center. At 10? He went on to play local talent shows. He won a big talent show. Uh, Channel 13 was never tested, and they kind of went with AJ. Not the Hendrix Brothers. Not the Hendrix Brothers? Yeah. Was it with the same song, though? No, it was a different song. Okay. Basically, uh, he's jamming out. Ten years old. Rock and roll. Good. Age right. 12, 1949, Waylon gets a job as part-time DJ at KDOW, the local radio station in Middlesbrough. How old was he? 12. He had a 30-minute show. He would sing and play some songs, and then, or, you know, maybe between that, he just took some records. So it sounds like, I, I mean, even then, 12 is young. Yes. It sounds like back then he had some talent, and people were trying to help him capitalize on Yes, everybody was being pretty encouraging to young Waylon. And he had a mom and dad at the house. He wasn't, I mean, he wasn't, so far we haven't had hobos. No, 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 no. Waylon, if, if, Waylon, there's not, if, if there's not one, I want him to make me one. No, Waylon does, he, you know, we'll get there, but he's part of the outlaw country movement, so mm -hmm. things happen. Listen, listen, but he was part of the outlaws. Oh, I'll talk about the highwaymen, kids that shot somebody. I'm coming into all things you know. I've even left some pockets there because I hope you fill in the blanks. So, uh, Waylon gets some friends together. He forms the Texas Longhorns. Mm. It's a mix of country and western, you know, bluegrass. You got all three coming together. Uh, they were often like the purity of country western. They didn't like it too crossover and too much western. They just wanted what they're used to. They just wanted what they're used to. Give me what I know. What I don't, I'm, I'm with it. I'm used to what they meant would change. Now what's it is strange and curious. I like it. Age 16, 1953, Waylon drops out of high school, 10th grade. Now, you got into some interdisciplinary contraptions, they say. The school superintendent convinces Waylon to drop out. One hell of a superintendent. Yeah, Superintendent Chalmers is like, look, uh, <laughs> you're not really cut out for schooling, so you might as well just leave now. You're really bringing the whole entire school down. You're, you're hurting our average, kid. <laughs> Killing our funding. The M-steps are, are, are getting crushed by you. Killing our funding numbers. Waylon takes some odd jobs. Uh, he works for his dad, and uh, he's playing music. 
Wayland in Salem, Indiana. Yeah, 1954, Wayland and the Longhorns recorded Demo, and they had uh, the song Stranger in My Home, and It'll Be a New Day. And he and his band would perform at the Salem Symphony Orchestra. That's where they were playing the song Demo. And then they're going to go... Uh, they would perform on air. You mean like live, live in, in, right. at a radio station? Right, right. Okay. Uh, they got a demo record, and they're going to perform it. He meets Lubbock, Texas native Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly or some guy named Buddy Holly? Yeah, Holly. yep. There you go. So 1956, Waylon moves to Lubbock, Texas. And uh, as well as playing on the air, Warren gets a job as a DJ uh, in Lubbock. He's got the four page spread on the air. So that's, that's a good tip. That's prime time, yeah. right? Waylon was really good at producing jingles for advertising. Earl Green, the lady that he yeah. Hey, we're back to Earl Making jingles even today, if they use your song as a jingle or a, that's where a lot of stuff comes from. Oh, that's why I hear a lot of songs I like, right? Oh like all God. of a sudden you're listening. I, I don't know. I'm watching the Hulu commercials. It's like, I do my hair tight, check my nails. I'm like, what is this song? I've never heard this on the radio. And just some, you know, it's like there's a s- yeah. No, if you that. if, but I'm like, that's catchy. That's good. They're using it for advertising. I'm like, I have Hulu, but if I didn't, this would catch me right now. If you write a jingle as for a jingle stage, or they use your music as a as a corporate sponsored sold promotion, that's where a ton of money is made. Yeah, man. Like you'll get an old navy commercial or an Apple commercial or whatever. That's that's what's on the pop air. And you think a lot of these times you got you got older artists that may had a cool song from the sixties or seventies, right? And Apple or Nike uses your song. And boom, reinvigorate it. So not only are you getting paid for that music, you're getting sort of a, a, boost, a, a boost from the downloads Pe- on, yep, on people will on go whatever. Yeah. get your albums and stuff again. Yep. That's yeah, music rights is a whole other business that has nothing to do with music. Or you just write a little jingle. Jingles are good because if you write that jingle every time they use it, you're getting paid. I'll be there for you. And they don't charge you. That song didn't have a second verse. And then all of a sudden it's popular. They're like, oh, shit, what do we do? And so the Back. radio DJs just cut it together like we did in that Killing Blood. Back in the studio, boys. <laughs> Time, hey, uh, I know we kicked you out for heroin, but uh, come on back. And uh, we're going to make <laughs> Who a song about you. And were they reference? Were they replacements? Refreshments? No. It wasn't a transition. It was, you know what, Brad? I'm going to replace this song. If you know, write us here at Crime and Music. Yeah, at Crime and Music on Twitter, Crime and Music Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Anyway, so basically, people love him. He, he's made for radio. He's got the DJ voice. He's got the silky smooth. He's good at jingles. He can play live music and, and guitar and stuff like that. He can hit the buttons. He can. He's good at the buttons. Yeah. He's doing it since he was 12. So now, 1957, Waylon gets a job at KLLL. He's making good money. Yeah. making good money as a DJ. He's even more doing songs and sponsors and grand openings. So he's out there at a grand opening of a big event. Come to J. Tire Barn. J. Tire Barn is brought to you by KLLL. And so uh, in 1956, he buys a DeSoto convertible. Yes, I do. Yeah, if you're unfamiliar with a DeSoto, it's what the Cunninghams drove in Texas. I feel like I'm drinking DeSoda. (laughs) DeSoda. This is disgusting. Seltzer soda. Uh. I got about half of it Choke down, it down, man. yeah, no, at the break, we're switching it up. It's not as heavy, as skinny and tall as it is. I like how they stick the two as skinny, tall males. Oh, you know why they're, they're like that, don't you? 
you you know why these all these little salty cans are skinny? Just to look thin and fashionable, or Hendrix? And their hands are oh, sidebar, sidebar. One of the big. Speaking of tiny hands, this is not a Trump reference. <laughs> uh, no, but look this at his hands. So small. This was terrible. This poor dude. He's a he's a sales rep, a big marketing guru for one of the one of the um drill like cordless drill you know power drill power drills you can fix your home you have loosened screws in your in the drill i don't want to say the name of the manufacturer sure. but it's one we've all heard of and he was given a, a a presentation to these big wigs at home depot trying to tell him why his drill brand would be preferable over the competitor and he's going into all these great nice features and how small they were and how easily and he said and look Ours has a much smaller grip than the competitors, which will make it perfect for all of our <laughs> for all of our uh, what what was the term he used? Latinos that are yeah. He oh said no. And so he's basically saying that all Latinos have tiny hands because they're tiny people, and this is going to work perfect for them. And it was being broadcast. This was being, you know, how they do they they broadcast it. They're Live not all in the same baby. room. Yeah. And uh, yeah, some people apparently had a problem with that. And when they brought it up to him, he, he turned right around and he was like, yep, I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. If you got to fire me, fire me. I'm That was stupid of me to say. <laughs> it was, I apologize to everyone that had offended, and I get it. I'm an idiot. I wasn't offended. <laughs> he yeah. didn't even pause and try to spin it like, oh, I, you know, I said something. No, he knew it was going to say that. But no, the, these cans, I mean, wouldn't it make sense if you're going to make something that's marketed towards our our, our younger girls, I mean, get the, get rid of the smaller hands number. It's like those cigarettes. Remember those cigarettes? Oh, I don't smoke them anymore. I don't think I ever did. <laughs> you are wearing Sam's pink shirt. Yep. Cover your ass. You're orange. <laughs> Faded. Well, I got nothing about Faded in the face. I don't know. You try to. You do that pretty good. You always try to bring it right back. I try to bring it right back. <laughs> Sometimes. And much like uh, when Buddy Holly comes back to town. He always stops by the radio station to catch up with Faded. Oh, yeah. He brings it back all the time. What year was this? This is 1958. So Buddy Holly hasn't made the scene totally for a long time. He's not national. We're about to get 58. There. I feel like this is when a lot of that 50s, 60s yeah. stuff started to come together at Sock the end. Sock hop, bebop type stuff. Uh, the tail end of that. Like yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We haven't gotten to that point yet. We're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, Buddy keeps promising, though, to get in town produces the first single, Waylon Blunt. Who, who produced what? Buddy Buddy Holly produced Waylon's first single. Let's see. Hold my hand up. I'll hold my sister up there. How about that? It's called Waylon Blunt. It's often called Caveman Blunt, which is what it really is. Like, uh, sorry, what's that band called? Trio called um, Zydeco. Yeah, Zydeco. I like Zydeco. Zydeco Washboards. Yeah. Once they start mandolin, they never stop. So three months later, Buddy Holly's back in Lubbock. Lubbock. The Lubbock. He's back at the Lubbock. And uh, he stops by Waylon, hands him a bass guitar, and says, Hey, man, I got a bass guitar. You got two weeks to learn how to play that. <laughs> Good friend of mine. I think. I, th- I think I nailed it. Waylon's a new bass player for Buddy Holly's band, The Crickets. Is it a good bass line? Yeah, right? <laughs> Stand there and look like you're singing to him. That's all you gotta do. And of course, like every bass player, uh, <laughs> Waylon was a guitar player. That's another one. 
fuck was like, nah, it's not a fart thing. <laughs> not your own fart either. Like, Whoa, nah, get away from me. Uh, yeah, so basically, um, this guy Joe B. Muldoon, he's a huge dick over here. He's his buddy. He's like, you want to get paid? I prefer <laughs> to get paid for my services. And buddy's like, I, I don't need that. He's like, no, I don't need that. He's, he's just like, just because you're good at it doesn't mean you need a safe part. He's like, need a bass player. Waylon plays the guitar. That's yep. as good as a bass player. And, and what was his last name? Uh, Muldoon. You ever heard of him? Joe Muldoon? Yeah. No, you don't. <laughs> you want to know why? Why? He's a bass player. <laughs> there you go. That'll do it. All you bass players, uh, at Benny Rudd. <laughs> Very nice. January 23rd, 1959, Buddy Holly and the Crickets, Dion and the Belmonts, Big Bopper, Frank Sardo, and Richie Valens, they start a 25-show tour called Winter Dance Party. I bet this this goes off well. So <laughs> hey, <laughs> so Waylon's like, dude, I hit it. I got a 25-show tour. I'm touring with the band. I this can't wait to great. do all 25 shows. This will be great. And he does. We'll get there. <laughs> Ten days into the tour, they're headed towards uh, Moorhead, Minnesota, how, how, Iowa. How are they getting there? Well, hold on now. It's it's a snowstorm. Oh, so not there yet? No, no, no. They're taking a bus. They're taking a bus. And the bus is so cold. <laughs> hold on. Let me redo this already. So, how cold is it, Brian? <laughs> we'll do this like top ten style. The bus was so cold. One, politicians had their hands in their own pockets. <laughs> we have done. Yeah, and number two, Lady Liberty put the torch inside of her dress. And finally, our number three reason, it was so cold on the bus, Miley Cyrus had to put her clothes back on. <laughs> That's how cold it was. Um, so you remember who Steve-O is, the jackass guy? <laughs> Absolutely. He's got a comedy tour. It's coming into Michigan here not too long. Where it, It's basically his comedy bit. Yeah. Is he talks about celebrities and stunt cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Riding in the cars with comedians for coffee, and it's like doing cocaine with uh, I celebrities. Watched, I watched a short clip of him on uh, on the YouTube yesterday doing a, doing one of his shows. Sure. And he's not real polished. He's not a he's not a public speaker as much as he is a public nuisance. Yeah. Um, but the stories are pretty good. Oh, it's I bet. Yeah. Once, once, that's why we do he this show. Once you're behind the wall, man, you're like, oh, my God, you did what? He talked He talked about just teasing. Now, I'm sure it's like longer than five minutes. Now we're promoting Steve-O's show. Yes. Yeah. No, pro- yeah. He seems decent to me. He, I like him. Um, no, he does. He, he seems to be kind of actually smart other than all the stupidity he does. I'll get those. And the drinking. I'll no, bring, I'll he bring uh, talked here. about Paris Hilton. He talked about um, Kid Rock. Lindsay Lohan. Hey. Or Lilo. Or Lilo. Lilo. Yeah. That's Lindsay cool. Lohan stole his, his cocaine one time. <laughs> I, I believe that. <laughs> She's like, give me, give, hold your cocaine up. And she holds her little bag up. And he says, you hold, oh, I hold, don't do that. I said, all right. And and she grabs it. And she then she just has his cocaine. And she points at him. She says, get out. <laughs> what the? And Steve-O said, I would have given up a fight, but I want to go back and tell, my, tell all my bros. That Lindsay Lohan just stole my cocaine. I just got mugged by my for cocaine from Lindsay Lohan. And then he said Kid Rock one time they had been in this whatever hotel. There's a piano, a couple girls. And he says, this guy dumped all the biggest pile of personal use cocaine I've ever seen in my life. And he starts lining it up. And I looked at him with this look like, there's no way this is going to happen. And all Kid Rock said to me was, ah, don't worry, we'll chip away at it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we'll chip away at it. Dude. I want I want to use that joke later. We'll get into some. We'll get into 
Obviously, cocaine is better. No, Rogan vouches for Pluto, too. He's always like, people who choose stand-up comedy as a second career, like your reality thing and shit, don't get to do it after. They usually, like, do it young, and they get that famous off that name mm-hmm. in that world. Apparently, Steve-O really worked hard at his stand-up. He has, like, a special treatment for cocaine use and stuff. So I'm willing to give him a shot. He looked a little unpolished, but I think the only way to get polished work the, work the is, stage, baby. is fail for five minutes. Work the stage. They say ten, unfortunately. Yeah. So my dreams of being a stand-up, I'm like, I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> I'm be not like Louis Black. It. Just come in, you know, you're like 60. Was it Louis Black? I would believe you. That's a hopeful story. No, um, He was an older dude in his prime still hitting roles. Yeah. Ron White. Ron White. Yep. Even Jim Gaffigan. Yeah, yeah. It does wear on you. He tells it on you. Much like uh, riding the bus got to wear on you. Buddy's tired of riding the bus. It's cold. We talked about how cold it was. We already talked about that. Right. So uh, Buddy's like, you know what? I'm going to get a plane. Because I'm not doing this. I'm going to charter a plane. I'm going to stay the way guy I was in Moorhead, Minnesota. And I'm going to stay with this other bus driver. I don't know. Taking a bus to Moorhead sounds like a good time. Insert a blowjob joke that's better than mine. <laughs> on the bus. You had on the plane, uh, you had Buddy from Waylon sitting there with Richard Valens. He won his seat in a coin toss with uh, the crickets guitarist on the outfit. And they were like, I'll take a seat in the plane. I'll take it to you. I'll let it flip. Pails, you win. Oh, so they couldn't get everybody on the plane. Oh, no, no. There was only four seats on the plane, but plus the pilot. Okay. So uh, Dion, Dion and the Belmonts, he was offered a seat on the plane, but they wanted $36 for it. And he's like, I'm just going to save my money. Stay on the bus. So uh, this guy J.P. Richardson, aka Flip Floppers, mm-hmm. remember him? He was a DJ too, and uh, he was feeling sick. He had the flu. So Waylon's like, "I give you this. Take this." So Waylon gets off the plane. Uh, February third. I feel like people know this story, and we're not doing, we're not giving enough good details. I'll get there. Yeah, no, it's fine. We can't talk. <laughs> we could talk about this this kind of story for an hour. This is its own episode. Is what it, it's well, it's not it, crime it, and music. Right, it's just that's why we're there. An icon. This is a turning point of music history. Well, we're there. All right, so we're there. We're there because now it's February third, nineteen fifty-nine, one a.m. And 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 let's say who's on the plane with him. Well, we got Buddy. But yeah, Buddy Howard. Yep. Uh, Richard Valens. Yep. She was an upcoming star. Yep. At that point, so you had Dion. Uh, remember, Dion didn't go, and then you had uh, the Big Bopper because he had the flu. So there's three of them. Yeah. There was, like I said, Dion was going to go, and they're like, yeah, but we got to charge you 35 bucks, dude. Yep. So after reading, reaching speeds of 170 miles an hour in a deep shaft bonanza aircraft, shocked to observe, rolled, and skated 600 feet across a cornfield outside of Mason City, Iowa, as briefings and whatnot went back to the day when they did it. So what, I'm just curious. Did they get – were they flying for a minute, or did they did they crash off the – they got to max speed. I don't know if they reached any altitude. Yeah, well, I mean, max speed, you're uh, but they you could be off. five, they were five minutes into the flight. Or Somebody said it was a couple hundred yards off of the the spot. So that sounds like they they crashed off for a minute. I would think they ish. Did. Yeah, they didn't get halfway there and then no. But well, like I said, uh, it's like it's like seventeen minutes or twelve minutes into the flight or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they just they just kind of go. Iced up or something. So from that day on, Whalen avoided uh, air travel whenever possible. Yeah, 
done it. He yeah, no, he never took that. Yeah, he won't touch it. He never took airplane. He didn't like it. You have massive questions. Have you lost everything? Lost everything? Uh, I had a whole thing about where I was gonna hand you this card and you do the lines about this conversation, but the last conversation was with Jalen and and, uh, Buddy Holly. I don't think you can do that. That sounds a little morbid, Brian. Yeah. Well, do you have the card right there? I do. I'm looking at it. it. You want to see it? This one went up. That's your card. Let's just do it. We're here now. <laughs> oh, thank you. Anyways, Ryan Rosket, here ah, we go. I hate this set. Still all right, upset. Uh, and I'm, and, all right. If we have any technical difficulties, we might as well think the show with a skit. All right. Uh, ben is, uh, you be Buddy Holly. Ben is Buddy Holly, and I will be the one doing this. This is, so I just start? You're Buddy Holly. All right. And I got a card that says, and to Ben. <laughs> Don't read those ben. parts. <laughs> it says, on the top of the card, it says, Ben's lines underscore. Act all right. Act all right, here's, hey, uh. Kicking out? No, no. Big Bopper just wanted to go on ahead. Well, I hope your damn bust isn't coming in. Well, I hope your old plane lands. <laughs> that was the last thing you said to him. <laughs> My God, dude. That's terrible. That's why you're always supposed to say I love you when you're still part of the band. That way the last thing you say is I love, I love you. you. Don't do that with me. Uh, man, the music business is so rough. How rough was it, Brian? These fucking promoters forced the surviving musicians to play the Minnesota show. Oh, really? And finish the tour. Yeah. So they knew. They knew doing that last that, that, that show that they were probably the next day. Yep. And all their buddies. No bluffing. <laughs> buddies are dead. Pretty much. Yep. All their buddy buddies. Um. So, yeah. They told Waylon that Holly's widow wouldn't get any of the money for uh, this tour unless they finished the tour they played it so they brought this guy bobby g in to fill in for holly and then waylon finished the tour also he's saying a lot of things that kind of stirred up the pot with bobby g well finish the tour out you know maybe they just didn't have the sort of insurance maybe they'd have to oh put yeah. on, on big not gigs today right and the promoters backs were against the wall because they probably weren't going to be able to pay anybody right. unless they went through and, and circled the pit and got that money. Well, here's some other things, too, is that the radio had a report of Buddy, Buddy Holly's plane crash and all his people dying while Waylon's bus was en route. So that would have been a weird they weird were on the Well, they were on yeah. the radio like, hey, Buddy Holly's plane crashed. So Waylon's family's like, oh, shit, Waylon's dead. And then when he got to Minnesota, they called him because there's no telephone calls anymore in Minnesota. I'm not dead, you know, like I'm on the bus. Uh, also, note that the bus was so cold that Carl Bunch, uh, the original drummer, he was hospitalized on deathbed from cold feet. From being on a bus? Yeah, so the bus was cold. Wouldn't I mean, there was some it? logic to uh, getting on that plane and getting away from it. Dude, I'm supposed to go fishing up in the north in Sandpiper this weekend. Nice, eh? And right now it's, what, 65 degrees outside? Pretty nice and sunny. The end of summer here. Yeah. It's the beginning of the fake fall, we call it. Yeah, fake fall. So, um... I looked at the, the thermometer up, and this is in Fahrenheit, not Celsius. Uh, I wasn't picking up my phone right then. So anyways, I want to take a guess what the uh, temperature was this morning when uh, I looked at the place in Canada I'm going. 22 degrees. 37 degrees <laughs> in the cold. I got to get out of here. Wow. I have a heater that's probably going to be locked up in my room. 31 grassy highs. Didn't we cover that in the last one? No. No. Uh, 
Yourself, Wayland uh, married at that time, had two kids, heads back to Texas after all that happened. So, you know, go back to the beaver country. Well, he does for a while. But then he wants out of Texas. And his wife, Maxine, has got family in Arizona. So, hanging up, moves his family to Phoenix in 1960. Uh, he works in radio again, does some time at KBAB, some time at KOYL. You go north yeah. out of Phoenix, up by like Scottsdale and stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's just yeah. That is mountains awesome. and stuff like that. Yep. yep. There's it's kind of high country, desert, and then I mean eventually you get Grand Canyon stuff. But yeah, I like I like Texas. What Arizona's where uh, Mason and Roger Time and Pinky were born. Mason. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. yeah. I know. You, I was gonna say I know you like them. Yeah. Yep. Well, uh, Waylon was out there playing fun too. He he had an odd job because he would play uh, intermissions at driving theaters. How would that happen? Well, we said, let's all go to the lobby. <laughs> let's all go to the lobby. Hey, no, I don't know. It just, it was like he had a gig playing intermissions at drive-in theaters. He played at bars and clubs. And I was just like, the drive-in kind of stands out. That's kind of weird. Maybe maybe he would go to the lobby and play there so people would take oh, a break yeah, yeah, and yeah. go to the lobby even if they go didn't want the some more snacks. snack shed and hang out there. 1961, uh, Waylon was tired of being by himself and carrying all his gear, so he forms a band called the Whalers. Just so he didn't have to carry his own shit? No, I just wanted that part. I guess as a drummer, I got tired of having to carry stuff on my back all the time. So the Whalers, W-A-Y-L-O-R-S, the Whalers, formed in 1961. Not to be confused with the Whalers. We're Whalers on the moon. <laughs> We're Whalers on the moon. We tell tall tales. They were a power trio. You know I love a good power trio. <laughs> Probably right up there with Roger. Right. You had Waylon on the bass, like Geddy Lee. You had Jerry Drop on the guitar, like Alex Bryson. And then you had uh, Emil Hurd, the Richie Albright, on the drums. I bet he's still in contact with Emil. Yeah. He does too. He does gigs with him still. Oh, he's got Mike Hurd. Yeah. They're good friends. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I do. I research this for hours. What are you talking about? This is not about Richie Albright. Richie Albright recorded some singles under the Trend label with the Whalers. So the Whalers uh, got signed to like a small label called Trend Records. They're good. They got a deep Phoenix following in the clubs and the bars. And um, Waylon, through this friend, another radio DJ, a guy named John Bowman, he's introduced to Herb Albert. Herb Albert. Was he a big Was he a Herb producer? Albert and the Tijuana Brass, baby. Oh. He was a little Spanish flute, nah, 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 nah. a reggae star who thought he'd be nah, 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 nah. like the Beatles, but he was somebody that people nah, nah, had seen nah, on TV. TV. He was a little Spanish flute. Yeah, got Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass. Oh, okay. TJB. He's also the A in A&M Records. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. I, 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 when you said Herb Albert, I was thinking like recording or, or producing right. behind the scenes. I didn't know that's what you meant. Yeah, yeah right. Okay. Yeah. He's like a triple threat. So he's got his Tijuana Brass. And he's a, 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 he's
little special. We started out singing music to make a lot of money and then went to the other side of the world. But to these weeks, he had a BMW Vision. Yeah, he was getting paid. And uh, he was getting paid for the A&B, and this guy, John, this guy, John Bowman, mm-hmm. like, lost it. Basically, everybody's pumping up Wayne and his buddy John's like, hey, you got to check this guy out. You got to check this guy out. So we checked this guy out. July 9th, 1963, Wayne signs with A&M Records and releases songs like Love Denied, Slave On, Kiss Is Sweeter Than Wine. And your favorite, because you sung it on the show, The Race Is On. Here's all them years of riding back red. like you, Waylon didn't do so hot at A&M at the time. They were kind of a folk label, not really country. So, uh, yeah. A folk label. <laughs> right. Well, this is the thing, and, the, and you'll see here real quick, is Waylon does the crossover. So, I'm looking at this. Uh, he hasn't done his crime yet. Fourth time. Yeah, but I, he better get a gun out or something, dude. Yeah, okay. We're going we're gonna to do some country music name drop right now for this one. We're going to get there. Okay, I'm just okay. bringing in the players, okay. all right? Uh, singer, Bobby Bear, who's the kid in the background there, he was driving through Phoenix, right, listening to the radio, and he hears Waylon in one of his songs. So Bobby goes to uh, one of Waylon's gigs, and he calls this guy Chet Atkins. So yeah, Chet, Chet yes. A.K.A. Mr. Guitar and the Country Gentleman. Yep, he's been doing that for a long time. He's also the head of RCA Picture in Nashville. And uh, this guy Bobby's like, Chet, you got to sign this kid Waylon, man. Like, he was awesome. So Chet and RCA make Waylon an offer, and uh, he doesn't know what to do, right? He's like, I can keep playing the clubs and stick with Herb or go with Chet to Nashville. And so when you got a decision that you don't know what to do, you go talk to your buddies, right? So Waylon goes to ask one of his good friends, Willie Nelson, what he should do. What do I do, Willie? <laughs> Willie, learn one, buddy. Yeah, I bet Think he about it. So. Hold on, let's take a break, and we'll <laughs> on. Safety meeting, they say so. <laughs> so <laughs> Willie said, uh, Willie's like, now I'll stay in Phoenix. So uh, Waylon moves to Nashville. <laughs> Fuck you, Willie. Do the opposite of whatever Willie says. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as we move to Nashville, we're going to take a little break right now. Yeah, I'm uh, almost at my seltzer water. And we're going to not get more seltzer waters. I don't know. I kind of like it now. And now you're onto it? Now, I, now it's got you. I'm serious. It's not that. It's easy drink. I mean, you could. Chug these. It's like water. It is a lot like. I mean, it's like drinking water. No, you're eating filtered water, alcohol from cane sugar, natural flavors, cane sugar, citric acid, carbon dioxide, and and carbapenem. I wouldn't have guessed it. F H M P A R I N A. Everybody, look up Mangerna hops.
what you decided to go with this time, Bry. I have margarita in my hand here, buddy. You got a little margarita. I got a tiny little airplane-sized margarita and a little glass of ice. Bry comes into the studio like with two little tiny glasses of ice and a little margarita on his hand. You want to have some margarita? <laughs> no, I'm not going to have a margarita. What did you do, Ben didn't man me? Well, I felt like after that seltzer, I needed to go a little little bit more extra for beer, at least. Get a little Chester. Yeah, I got uh, one of those Guinness. They're the book people. Book people. So and, and I can tell this is one of those Guinness cans where it's got the little um, uh, nitrogen wafer in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, you can, can hear it hanging around. That's what decided to now be shaking up as well, though. <laughs> and, and it's always I, – I, I don't get it. I get a nitrogen Guinness and I just think that's all it is. I had a nitrogen beer the other day. I forgot what it was, but it was like a nitrogen blonde ale. And I'm like, oh, that was nice. Yeah, there's there's some good – yeah, thick, creamy blonde ale. But normally you think, right, you think of your Guinness with your nitrogen Coke, like that stout. Ooh. That is is bomb. Oh, it's good. There you go. It's good. (laughs) Well, it was good for Waylon because in 1965 he officially signed with RCA Records. Which one was that? The one in uh, Nashville? Okay. Yep, you got it. So August 21st, 1965. Waylon tracks Billboard's Hot Country song starts with That's the Champ by Happy Days. That's the Champ by I knew you'd know that. I, I don't know that. Oh, I was like, is that it? Alright, well here, well, let me be let me hit you the highlights. From nineteen sixty six to nineteen sixty nine. Here are some songs Waylon released. Anita, you're dreaming. That went to number seventeen. Time to Burn Again. That went to 17. Did he write that one really? Willie Nelson. <laughs> no, that comes later. Uh, That's What You Get for Loving Me. That's number 9. Green River. Green River. Uh, number 11. Whatever. Just to Satisfy You. That didn't hit the charts. Uh, the Choking Kid hit number 8. Only Daddy Will work, Walk the Line. That made it number 2. Because it's hip hop. Yeah, yeah. I know that. Handsome man hit number three. See, here's here's the thing: all these old musics, all these old, all these old musics. I probably recognize most of them, could sing along to a lot of them, but I never knew the names of them. Remember classic country, what Thursday nights or whatever it was. No, it was uh, it was was, um, uh, Golden, Golden, Country Gold, Country Gold, yeah, Country Gold, Country Gold. We did the, we were up north at our hangout, and we would always listen to Country Gold. And that's why I learned all of my old country classics because they played Will, Waylon, Willie, oh. Cash. They played like the hits, man. We used to ride around. Uh, friends of ours had a couple old 1960-something Toyota Dukes, and they <laughs> yeah, that's right. And they painted them cherry red, no top, huge mudder tires, kind of jacked them up a little bit, and we called them the the trail the the. Let's go take a Jeep ride. Right. And so we'd go down um, Land Cruiser. That's Land Cruiser. That's it. And so we'd take you through Land Cruiser. Those two were – we'd throw a bunch of beer in there. Oh, yeah. But we'd go four or five miles an hour down two tracks and listen to Country Gold. And just – and, and you, would, you would come to a spot you'd never been. Maybe you'd stop for a Jeep drop, have a couple beers. Everybody would get out. There'd be like maybe four of us in each one. And and you're just cruising around. We were not going fast. These things were not made they for speed. They weren't built for speed. Weren't built for comfort either. So. No, we got stuck. <laughs>
going down the big, huge hill. And the piece of property is now involved in the play. In fact, oh, wow. that's why it was nice. It was a place that the people would just like go and watch it dry to the ground. Old roofs that they had chiseled off and combed down the hill. So we went down the hill. This is sucking so bad. We had guns with us. Of course. Drinking and guns. And we, found, and we found somebody had a bunch of uh, little two-pound, one-pound cylinders of propane. Oh, God. That were down there, kind of rusty. Oh, sure. So we got a little, we had an extra gas tank. Where's this going? We put it, we put the, we put it, we dug a little, in, a little nook in the side of the hill, put a little gas in there, put Cap- the propane Captain tank. Captain Obvious, here we go. Put the propane tank in there, lit it. Walked back about 50, 60 yards, got the Mini-14 out, shot and it shot it in a big, huge fireball. With a Mini-14? Yeah. Explain what that is real quick. Well, that's one of those scary black guns that everybody sees. But these weren't black. These looked like the 80s guns. They were all decked out in folding stock to look like the guns the guys on the 80s sure. used. That's what they used. Sure. They're in the big B.A. Brockton band on the old TV shows. They used the Mini-14. Oh, yeah, They're, yeah. It's a two twenty two caliber. And you know, so we just got back. No scopes on them. It looked it looked like a like an eight gun. It didn't look like a scary black gun. This one had a folding stock, wood stock, wood wood, wood four grips. Yep. It didn't have all the barrel feet and shields and all that. It looked like the ones they typically use in the eight gun in the eighties. So we shot that thing. It blew up. So we're going back up there, and we had this dude. He was sitting right there with us, Kurt. You know, on three ten, he's trying to excite us up there. So we start to try to get back up the hill. We can't sink digging in. Four-wheel drive. We had four-wheel drive going at the time. It wouldn't go. I mean, we were just digging in sand. So we back and back down. And without even pausing, we're like, all right, let's some air out. Kurt's freaking out. Kurt's like, what are we going to do? Michelle's expecting me back. Kurt's wife. And uh, and we let a bunch of air out of the tires to get, get more, you know, more surface area on the dirt. And he starts freaking out. You're letting air out of the tire. Well, how are we going to get back? Don't worry. We got this. Prep right up the hill. Don't worry. Th- we got that. That's all we need to do. And we just just kind of slipped back and kept semi, semi-softening. semi That was your story. Just make one of the dirt. Just make one of the dirt. Oh, and then he got out of the vehicle, like, back as he got to the house. And the bumper wasn't much more than just a sheet metal wrapped around. It was like it. diamond plate. It looked like there was a, a lot of diamond plate A lot of diamond plate on these and, things. And Kurt was getting out of the back because it was pretty high up in the air. Yeah. And his toes slipped off the little, like, ledge that you step on to get out. And it slipped off and fell. Maybe right above his ankle, all the way up to his knee, all the skin was scraped. Oh, he scraped it right. You were bleeding. You were so drunk. Oh, <laughs> that's the worst. Did Don't you wake up the next day you're like, what happened? Oh, he. Well, he. He was. He was. Uh, suffice it to say, Kurt never went out with us again <laughs> on a Land Cruiser ride. Yeah. I have no idea how we got into that. But uh, Land Cruiser, Country Gold. That's what it country was. Country Gold. Bringing it back around. Bringing it back. Well, much like myself, Waylon has a bunch of odd friends. So. It's a disgusting story. I'm just. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Waylon, he did. He had some weird friends, right? He's cur- he, he has an apartment in Nashville now, right? He moved to Nashville. He's kind of like the old Elton Mike. He doesn't have a ton of money, though. Not much. He's not broke. So he's splitting a room. Uh, guess who he's over with? Um, I'm going with not Buddy Holly. Who's not going with Buddy Holly? Elvis Presley. Uh, no. He'll make an appearance shortly, but he is the man in black, Johnny Cash. Oh, okay. <laughs> Waylon's roommate, so he's hanging out with his buddy Willie Nelson and then Johnny Cash. And 
and maybe these guys aren't that big yet. You know, they kind of are. They're sort of, you know, like there's the new guys who are like, oh, these guys are going to be good. Yeah. Like, yeah. They ended up being good. So Waylon starts uh, taking pills, though, to stay awake. And him and Johnny are like popping pills and playing music and curling and things like that. Didn't, Ro- didn't Roy Orbison die this past year? Was that true? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, and what's funny is now I have a personal request from the ROFC. So, uh, long story short, we had a fan club group that we started in grade school called the ROFC, the Royal Orbison Fan Club. It was popular with the ladies. <laughs> um, but uh, some of the members have actually made requests for the show, so we're going to get some of their requests for people coming up here. So. Yeah. Well, and the name that shall not be mentioned. I can't even say that anymore. I've been sworn off of it. <laughs> not me. Yeah, I know. So if you don't want to be talked about and you know us from grade school or high school, uh, too bad. Us, send us a Twitter. Too bad. Giant music. Yep. Um, all right. Here's Go the to thing. our speak pipe and tell us. We won't put you on the air. <laughs> Speaking of bad relationships, uh, Johnny and uh, Waylon are in the same lane with this guy, Lucky Nola. Lucky Nola. Lucky hey, wasn't Nola. he the bass player that got kicked out by the – No, that was Muldoon. Muldoon. But yeah. uh, Lucky – he had a great habit. He would book s- shows, like for these guys' tour, that were like super far apart from one another, but then give a really close calendar date. Like, all right, guys, tonight we're in Nashville, and tomorrow you're playing L.A. <laughs> Wait, all right. So, I'm already not hip to flying, bro. <laughs> yeah, right. He's like, you know, we're not gonna take a plane to Nashville. So, lucky. Uh, anyway, he wasn't very good at that. So Waylon was also playing like 300 plus shows uh, a year on the road. So his debt was going up, too, and then keep playing shows, kept taking more amphetamines. His debt was going up because of drugs? Uh, no, he had some spending habits, you know, that didn't amount to money. He also had a couple of ex-wives at this point in time. And some oh, kids, did he? So oh, okay. Yeah, oh, he married his high school sweetheart because they thought she was pregnant. So his debt ended up pretty thick with a woman. Oh, okay. So uh, the workload, tours, blames himself for Buddy Holly's death. Well, let's just take some pills. He's probably he's doing 300 shows. That's a rough. That's rough. That's why a lot of those. It's a lot of work, man. Yeah, I mean that's kind of part of the Johnny Cash story too. Oh yeah, yeah. Went out, a lot of work, and uh, you need to relax, right? So uh, Waylon had a thing for this guy. It's called groupies. It's called rainy day women. Rainy day women. Yeah. So they are groupies of all ages who are all still groove for being successful. So uh, quote from Waylon. He said, "Quote." I crave companionship. I've had my fill. I don't think women's sex lives have a thing to do with the kinds of women that the human beings I know. Just because they're whores and good people? They can be. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. Speaking of women, we need to talk about Jesse Coleman. You know her? No, I don't think I do. She's uh, a girl that was a gal named Miriam Eddy. She always came with Jesse Coleman in her company sometimes. Mother was a Pentecostal preacher, and the dad was a race car driver. Race car driver. Yeah. Did you know that race cars fall backwards with race car? Yes, oh I did. Oh my God! Oh, dude, high five! Oh, you nailed that, it. That was, was that it. Really that was really. Said? Did you know race cars fell backwards <laughs> and still race cars, dude? Yes, we're back together, baby. <laughs> Sync. So Same page. All right, Jesse Coulter. You don't have a radar for those things, do you? <laughs> it's it's a no. Uh, 
speaking the same page, Jesse Colson, 1964. Jesse meets Waylon at a recording studio in Phoenix, Arizona. Jesse's husband asks him to work his job as a touring artist and meet with him. Yeah, he takes him to one of the cutting rooms in Phoenix, Arizona. Hey, we got a we got a buddy who we call him Freeman because he has three <laughs> first three first names. Yeah, yeah. Who, who am I not thinking well, of? Well, I can't say his name. You'll I'll just, just edit bleep it out. it out. This is your three bleeps. Still your little brother. Yeah. Um, bigger than my fucking little brother. <laughs> uh, well, he's he, a father of two. That's he witnessed you puking up chili. Oh, he swore off chili for like 20 years. And he's still not real hip to chili because of that. Oh, really? Yeah. That's yeah. hilarious. He doesn't eat chili. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. I'm a pretzel guy. Sweet. Well, all right. Uh, Dwayne Eddy had a killer chili recipe. But he was a successful country guitarist. Waylon to come in and promote this to his, his son before he gave him to Waylon and Jesse. So Waylon and Jesse sounded great together. But she's married and Waylon's on his second wife, Lynn. Well, Jesse is married to Lynn. Yeah. Just just for show. I kind of like that name, Jesse. Jesse. So do I. Kill. Jesse is good. I think it's that old Rick and Morty thing. Yeah. But that was a talking about a coup. Jesse was a coup. Yeah, but if you knew a girl named Jesse, you could pull that trigger on Somebody should name their kid Jesse. Yeah, baby Jesse. There you go. All right. That's your challenge. Whenever you're at home, name your baby boy Jesse. Yeah. Okay. October 26, 1969. Uh, <laughs> Waylon and Jesse get married. Wow. By a justice of the peace in Las Vegas, Nevada. Not Elvis' first marriage? Maybe Waylon. they didn't have Elvis' first marriage. They just had Elvis. Waylon divorced his third wife, uh, Barbara Reed, and uh, Jesse divorced Wh- Dwayne. After the wedding? Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. They had to go to Utah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Waylon could have. Waylon had uh, uh, his first wife, Maxine Lawrence, died in 1965, and he went on to his second wife, Lynn Jones, in 62. He got a third wife, Barb Reed, in 67. And then Jesse Coulter's fourth wife, Kathy, ended in 1969. Wow, Kathy. Yeah. Uh, he's got a total of eight kids. He's got six with his first wife, one with his second wife, and Waylon and Jesse. Cheater, cheater Jones. So huh. that's why he's got financial issues. Got well, maybe he just invests in stuff with rubber bands. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Ah, uh, still 1969. Uh, Waylon wins his first Grammy for best country performance by a duo or group. Uh, he did vocals for a song called MacArthur Park with the Kimberleys. MacArthur Park. It sounds familiar. 
think that's a sign of like the type and nature of I listen to these like now my new thing is I listen to the artist's music while I'm writing a show it's pretty cool I think there's something good about it that you can do with that um, and a lot of that old country had a very similar sound there's um, a lot of country that was like that that Texas sound man the I Telecaster th- Cowboy I, I try not to get down on co- there's some good country songs oh, that I, I, love I, li- it. I listen to I love it. It's great. That old, that country gold, man, that brings me right back. And I was going to say when you were talking about those stories, there's something about listening to country music out in nature, out in the woods, that it just – it's not a beach thing. I mean, it can be a beach thing, but for me, it's like if you're out in nature in the woods listening to country, it's just like, man. Because they match. They mix it. Magic, right? Now, a lot of new country today as – okay, I'm just going to make fun of it, but then I'm going to defend it. This I doesn't have the same pop as a beer does. No, it just feels – so you have you, you listen to the words if you could dissect the song put the tune out and just put the words on a piece of paper yeah it's the same tune in so many country songs whether oh. you know you're out and back it's mud there's beer there's truck there's girl there's there's being poor working hard that's country music you know i mean that's what it is and just man it just feel like you're recycling the last song is country every song is a recycling the last song is country well, you listen to some hip hop, it's yeah, got the same thing as country, but it's the themes. So it's it's all about the money. Well, it's and about it's describing a, a lifestyle. N word yeah. stuff and gangs and chains and boot bang, boot bang. Boot bang. Boot bang. Boot bang. Boot bang. I love boot bang. Trey White. No, no rhyme. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, it's funny you bring up things being. Uh, but were the old country songs ever good? Must have been controversial in the beginning, right? We get to outlaw country here in about two years. Gotcha. I'm ready. Well, 1970s. Here's something. Here's here's some controversy for you. 1970 at the Country Music Awards, the CMAs, Waylon is scheduled to play his song "Only Daddy Ever Got Home." Okay. You got a guess? Okay. Not now. Not very far. Maybe it's because it's "Only Daddy Ever Got Home" because it's rough. Well, all right. The show was running over on time. Producers were happy. He's only going to cut one verse and one chorus, but he's going to squeeze it in, trim it down a little bit. Waylon said, quote, why don't I just dance across the stage and grin? Maybe do one line. That'll give you a lot of time. Wow, he didn't want to be cooperative at all. They told me not to get smart. Either I did it or I got out. They said, we don't need you. I decided that was true, and I left. Oh, wow. (laughs) He walked out on the stage. He said to the Country Music Awards, see ya. man you can't go around censoring their music to make it fit your schedule that's why some people are touchy about that they're not on the commercial side of it they're the creative dude if i hire you to build if i hire <laughs> you to do something for me and i want you to change it a little bit as we go because i'm paying you done yeah look bro you know how long the song is you've seen the record that's how long the song is the mural won't fit in my house make it smaller <laughs> i'm under the mural uh speaking of disagreeable we're at the outlaw country now Okay. Right. Is that was that coined about this time? Yeah, basically, you you get what outlaw country is, right? Just well, can yeah. You, can I, you, can I, you walk us through, or do you need me to go through what it was? Well, outlaw country was a lot more with the with the um, it, it went off the reservation. We talked about some taboo subjects, and also didn't it brush a lot of elbows with a lot of the the biker people out out there doing all the the biker gangs after the Vietnam stuff and 
kind of on there. Now, here's the thing. Basically, if you did country music back in the day, like the Nashville stuff would be in there. The record companies had rules set up about you had to wear certain clothes, you had to play certain songs, even though they weren't your songs. Other people were going to play them. You had to uh, act a certain way. Who's trying to be Yes Man? No, sir. You know? And so Waylon sums it up for me. You got to play a certain clothing. They wouldn't let you do anything else. You know, you had to dress a certain way. You had to do everything a certain way. And it's that time to destroy me when I can go on about my business and get things my way. So basically, the record companies don't want to tell you how to act. They don't tell you who to walk You're in. not my boss. <laughs> right, right. They're like, yeah, no, we are. We are that. You're not my boss. As long as you got the right to pay, pay your paycheck. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what's the most you've ever made taking a pill? In 1972, Waylon and Chuck Lair were wrecking it. Uh, he's really not known. He's got records and stuff, but he is not known as Waylon Chuck Lair. Cool dude, but what? <laughs> so they go to renegotiate uh, Waylon's contract, though, and the negotiations got down to one last signature, $25,000. And Waylon wanted $25,000, and Chuck was like, no, we don't want that. Room's silent. take a leak, and then I came back, and he had to read it, and he went, oh, but you're a fucking genius. <laughs> Walking out like that? That sewed it up, man. That's a $25,000 piss. And they were scared that he walked away. Well, after Waylon left, the record company execs were like, uh, hey, Waylon Chuck, you have total influence. They probably will do anything for you. So, you coming back? And Waylon Chuck's like, I don't know, man. He's gone. Let's just call it a day. Let's wrap it up. And they caved right then, gave him that $25,000. My buddy Tony and I took that play through to work for, you know, Tony. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, I was quitting. I was done. I was out. I was quitting. I was moving up north. And look at you now. Tony and I did the same job. We were both in customer service, sales, and did a lot of traveling. So I'd go in, and I told Tony, I'm like, dude, I'm quitting. I'm moving up north. Construction job, just want to change pace, but I want to make sure you're, you know, my buddy's taken care of. So let's try to leverage this. Watch, Ooh. watch your pockets. We had a big long thing how what we were going to do and how we were going to do it. And so I go into my boss and I say, Waylon, hey Waylon, yeah, I'm going to quit. Whoa, what, what? And and he says, I can't let you go because I'm the vice president of marketing. So you're leaving for a job to make less money.
so he gave me this offer. I knew he'd give me an offer. So I even told Tony, hey, if they give me an offer, they should at least honor that with what you're getting paid because you're going to have more work to do after I leave. So when I came back in the room, he's like, I got to give you an offer. This is on Tuesday. Yeah, I'm going to give you a $10,000 raise. Right then, I knew I was staying. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was staying. I'm, and I said to him, all right, I want to think about it. Let me, let me wait until I really want to go talk to Tony and tell him, hey, if I'm staying for this 10000 bucks, you got to make sure it gets paid to you. Okay. <laughs> wow. And so I walked out. I said, I'll tell you on Thursday. I'll give you my final answer on Thursday. He said, but you got me staying. So I left. On Wednesday, he calls me back. He goes, what do you think? I said, I think I'll give you my answer Thursday. How about I'll also throw one more piece of pie on the plate, give you another week's paid vacation. So I go back and told Tony, and I uh, Thursday morning rolls in. I go in. I said, hey, I'm going to stay one more week, $10,000 raise. And I, I shook his hand. I said, thank you very much. And, and I, I left. And I told Jim and, and Greg, my boss, and, and I said, Tom, the president, I said, hey, by the way, I, I think Tony wanted to talk to you guys while you're in the room here real quick. He got $10,000 raise another week. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> I remember that. We had a party. Yeah. I, I had, there was a lack of parties. <laughs> yeah. That's how you negotiate. And we, we had that plan, and we followed it to a T. And you know the where we made the plan up? At Jack's place, at that rough bowling alley in Flushing. We got shot at there being oh, DJ. We got, we got drunk and made up that plan, and we perfectly fight and negotiate. Well, it's funny you, put, you say that because Waylon's got a plan he's working on. It's 1977. He's trying to plan his trip to Jamaica. Yeah, so I left him $10,000. <laughs> Whatever it is. So Waylon's planning this trip to Jamaica, but not to get you drunk. He's planning this tr- trip for a little girl playing with him. Yeah, what do you think I thought? That's exactly what I thought. Oh, well, good. Yeah. Right. Yeah, there's no question. Yeah, I even told him Jamaica. So uh, somebody else, not Waylon, made this huge mistake that has set things up, and Waylon was not really happy with it either. So he said, hey, I'm messing up this trip to Jamaica well, for this girl's brain plans? surgery. Right. And so around this time, Pills, who are the Waylon's big brother, starts showing up. But Elvis dies here in 1977 as well. DJ an overdose. On the toilet. Right. So Waylon swears off the pills. He's like, I ain't going out on a shitter like Elvis did. Oh. So he stops doing that. We should do an Elvis. Can we do an Elvis episode? We can do opposite, that. Like sure. He was on the good side of friends. Well, yeah, he was. Uh, we've talked about this. Right. Yeah. Right. I want to do an Elvis. Right. Uh, we'll, get, we'll get there. Is that the next Jeopardy card? Uh, maybe. Might right. be. Right. Might be. So uh, Waylon, unlike Elvis, he's like, I'm not doing the pills, so he switches to uh, the notion and goes to the cocaine. 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 So Waylon, uh, he said, at $100 a gram, I was buying it for $20,000 a pop. My intake was about $1,500 a gram. I like to snort cocaine. I snort half a gram on one side of my mouth and then half a gram on the other side. So shotgun it down. Tops most people's heads with so much cocaine. I can't even imagine not only the amount of stuff, the amount of drugs you're doing, but the the money. Oh, the money. He had issues. Holy cow. He's, I mean, he's a rich, he's probably just a really great money guy. Oh, yeah. But that's a lot of money. <laughs> $1,500 a day? Oh, my God. Yeah. Snorting coke? Yeah, he was really going at it, man. Coke was crazy. You know what you could do with $1,500 a gram? Oh, yeah. 
bunch of coke, right? Like seven grams of coke a day. Uh, so the guy who messed up the trip for the brain cancer deal, right? He sends in a gift certificate with a bag of cocaine <laughs> to uh, say sorry for not taking it. And so uh, he sends it by private delivery. So the employee at the delivery system gets suspicious that this random small vial is being shipped to Lorraine A vial? No, no, no. Oh. It was a box. Uh, shipped to Lorraine Jennings. And so he opens it. What's in the box? What's in the box? And it's full of drugs. Cocaine. Hey. So a delivery service guy calls the DEA. And Cook calls back and says, DEA sees an opportunity here. And uh, they take the bulk of the cocaine, but they send a few grams to Waylon like they're supposed to. And uh, so they don't. DEA just got touched a little bit. 90% less what he thought he got. So Waylon's secretary picks up the box at the airport. Tracking her, obviously. That's the recording studio. She's like, stop bringing mail through the yeah. mail. So, uh, Waylon and his drummer, Richie uh, Albright, they're just in the back working on songs. Boom! DEA comes busting through the back door. And uh, they first encounter Richie. He's in control of his smartphone. He clicks on a little button so that uh, Waylon in the recording studio, like back in the booth, can hear it, right? And so, uh, he knows exactly what's going on. Oh, so they're busting the guy in the re- in out behind well, the board. That's where the door is, right? The door comes in yeah. in the control room with the board, and then Waylon's on the back side of the glass with the instruments and stuff, doing vocals or whatever. So, so he hears everything going down. He has, a, minute. He has a minute to, you know. Waylon knows what's coming, so he sort of tosses the package out of view and goes back to checking his guitar again. Like, oh, we're good. You know, plays it off. But uh, the DEA show Waylon a warrant, and Waylon notices it says that he's the owner of the studio. Studio. He merely rents the studio. He owns the office's door. Through some legal jujitsu. Which means the warrant is not valid. So uh, while the DEA waited for a proper warrant to be given. Get all the drugs. Richie and Waylon go back to work on the studio, right? And uh, they're emptying their pockets with little pill bottles and bottles. And uh, Richie drops a bag of coke and it cracks down the wall. He's like, is this coming down here? You know, it's such a flushing thing. Well, he sneaks a second bag into the bathroom and flushes that one out. Okay. And then uh, the DEA couldn't find any evidence. So, arrest Waylon anyway. Really? <laughs> yep. I guess back then, whatever, man. It's right. So it's like, yeah, we got a warrant that says you're, that you're good enough to go. Because the recording studio probably has nothing to do with it. <laughs> well, it falls out, out in court. Fell out in court. <laughs> Sorry, Judge, is that your heroin? I don't know. I don't know what happened. So before... Uh, <laughs> Before they take him away, Waylon calls Jesse right as well. And tells her, quote, I need you to go through all of my things. I mean everything. Flush down the toilet. Anything that even looks suspicious, do it now. Oh, wow. Yeah. He called her as he's going to jail? Well, before they took him away, right, he calls the studio and says, hey. Oh, he, he knows they're going to come to the yeah. house, okay. right? So Waylon didn't want Jesse caught up in this at all. So he avoided their house until he could straighten the whole thing out before Cook goes to jail. Newspapers said he was facing 15 years in prison. Well, me time, right? Well, I mean, like federal drug trafficking. Like the DEA is on board. Somebody's mailing coke to your house. Like you didn't. I can't stop people mailing (laughs) coke. All right. That's that's on them. That's really not my fault, to be honest with you. I I mean, you want to get mad at me for doing the coke? That's perfectly fine. Dude, it's so funny you say that because Waylon hires these two big-time New York City lawyers, and uh, at the preliminary hearing, all the charges are dropped. Stop serious. Hey, just 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 put the cowboy up for some money and right? what, you know, get 
What? The prosecutor said uh, we have a bad warrant, no evidence. They did their thing on Whale and they were good. Hmm. And they didn't even mess. They just got in free from it. Pretty much. Oh my god. So, uh, like you said, <laughs> it's like I can't help what people send to me back there. I'm not controlling it. You know, we talk a lot about people going to court and getting in trouble and going through the the, the system. And we all we often, because it's public knowledge, are sued for fine money. Sued oh, yeah, yeah. Sued pay, sued for time they had to spend at this thing it was. And so it always interests me on how much they're fined now. It always seems to be less. It's not that expensive anymore. I think the real cost is lawyer. Here we go. Yep. 100% is lawyer. Because you didn't pay anything but court fees and uh, you paid some lawyer. Well, I got I got a, a speeding. Uh, no, I, I was well, it's because he was taking himself passing somebody. This is not appropriate for this. And I was, I was passing somebody in M13 because they were going too slow. But yeah. I exceeded the speed limit on too 55, which is too fast for me. Can't do that. It's illegal. I mean, it's a rule, but it's a rule. And I know that rule. I broke that rule. And the cop pulled me over that rule and gave me a ticket for that rule. By the way, that cop shouldn't have done that. He did. <laughs> rolled the window down. It was like, yo, bam, right in the face. Oh, yeah, that's assault, brother. Yo, so supposed anyways, to say with the B. So anyways, um, it was up in, I had to go to Saginaw to pay, I either had to pay it or go to court. And I was like, I called a lawyer this past day to pay this $150 fine. I paid a lawyer $300 oh God. to knock my thing down so I didn't appeal it. Yeah, yeah. That was the, that was what I, because that would have raised my terms. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. Gotta do that. I only had to pay like 43 bucks. Got a couple points because I did blow up my license. Yeah. But I had to pay double what the original fine was for the lawyer. And they ignored me. <laughs> and you know how I got that lawyer's number? Uh, it was like two days after I got the ticket, I got an email from that lawyer. Oh, interesting. He Public just record. sits there and every ticket sends a mailing out. And he's probably so good at it. I bet you. Yeah. He specializes in it. Yeah, he's good. He earns that. Everybody hates lawyers till you need one. Absolutely, I did. My mom was pretty fond of it. Oh, seriously? Yeah, I was giving really? my, mom, my family oh, and my mom a ride home from up north, man. Right? Well, much like yourself, uh, Dylan has that same feeling with cops, right? Everybody loves their son. Don't you think this outlaw bitch done got out of hand? Have you not heard that one? Oh, Mr. Jailer. <laughs> Why don't you call Warden Gordon, please Gordon, set me free. Uh, written solely by Waylon, it's all about what happened that day. The registry of each number five on the U.S. Census Tract. Here it is. It says, don't you think this outlaw bitch done got out of hand? She done come busting through the back door at number five. Yeah, can't get the tickets on time. Take drugs out of my hand. Right. 1978, Waylon teams up with Willie Nelson. I mean, those pills you did buy. A little alcohol to slow down. Sweet As a roll through the day. No, now he's up with uh, Willie Nelson, right? Give me a little of Willie stuff and maybe I'll settle down. No, he didn't like it. He didn't like that Willie was. They had a little friction because Willie was always smoking the weed. and uh, Hold on, who? Wait, Willie Nelson and Waylon had a little friction. Willie Nelson there. smoked marijuana? Uh, well, occasionally, yeah. Just like Willie Nelson. Yeah. That long-haired country haired. singer that rides on that awesome bus. The braided red hair and whatever he's, changes. Yeah. You think he smoked weed? I, I know so. I researched it. It said, Waylon, uh, that's, a, that's a problem. Waylon, no. Waylon claims Willie smoked weed. I guess I researched yeah. that. Yeah. Waylon probably just going off on his own now. Yeah, he's just a dude. What's the name of his bus? No, his name is the 
one for everyone. Eight through two. So uh, Willie and Waylon came up, and they read a couple good songs like Good Hearted Woman. He's a good hearted woman who loves Jesus with time and hand. And what was that, Willie? Mama, don't let your baby grow up to be a man. I like that song. I like that song a lot. Don't let your doctor take it away from baby. Uh, that to give Waylon his second Grammy. That did it? That did it. Best country duo song artist or something like that. Uh, 1980s, Waylon has a couple more songs. He's got hits like Lucan by Kansas City and Bad Kitty. And Bad Kitty. Check that good old boy. Neener, 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 neener. Make a change, baby, kid. I'm a bear, neener, 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 neener. Some days of fighting might get on what the law calls fair. Making the way. We've already sung this song in the podcast. Yeah, that becomes the theme song for the TV show, The Dukes of Hazard. Waylon, as we discussed, was also the narrator. So Was I mean, he the narrator all the way through that? I think uh, the couple last... Up until the reboot, no, he was the narrator. And then they got his son to do the narration. There were a couple last seasons that were kind of goofy. Didn't they get the cousins in? Because it was like Cadis and... and Coy and Vance came in and replaced Bo and Luke, yes. And then did Bo and Luke come back like the last couple seasons because they got the money worked out or I something? I feel like they did, yes. It was goofy. It was very goofy, but yes. Cletus, Boss Hogg, yeah, all the sexual innu- innuendos there. Did, did you know that guy was like... Man. Did you know that Roscoe P. Coltrane, that actor, was actually like a Shakespearean trained stage actor? <laughs> right, like he's like a genius... For thy house thou went upon. Yeah. You know, like that. And then he's all, Cool, cool, cool. You do, boy. I like that show. They literally made the Dodge Charger like a, a, a famous car because they wrecked so many of them. It's rare now. <laughs> they did. <laughs> like, I've heard that. Yeah. I've heard that that, that mo- the, your make and model oh. is so rare because that company was bought, the, the, the production company was buying, buying everyone. Up. Yep. Well, if you had one. But Waylon Jennings was the narrator, so you'd see this uh, orange car with the flag on top, and it'd take off, and then they'd go to commercial, and he'd go, I don't know if they're going to make it out of here. And then that was it. <laughs> like, like He had like one or two lines. Yeah, and then you're watching a commercial for Turtle Wax, right. and then you come back, and they make it. Now, Uncle Jesse, he's been around a while, so I don't think Roscoe P. did him any favors there, but yeah. And that, you know, so he just had these one-liners. But anyway, that was the 1980s. 1984, Waylon decides to quit cocaine, cold turkey. He's like, I'm done with no candy. So uh, I'm a little bit of a nerd fucker. Um, <laughs> my kids, one of the kids on my team. Is coke addict? No. <laughs> it was not at all. Like, <laughs> He's just sniffing and rubbing his nose the whole time. He's <laughs> like, come on, coach. Hey, come I got to use the bathroom. I got to go. I got to use the bathroom. Oh. I got to use the bathroom again. You, um, may you use the bathroom? No. Can, can you do the, 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 kid, the kid's name is the same name as as the doctor on the back of the TV. Doc Brown? First name? Doc? Nope. Oh. I was like, hey, uh, your parents think man's the back of the future? <laughs> 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 and, I, and, and, and now twice. And we've only had like four games. 
I've gone over to the other side, and you guys change lineups. Right. And they look it down, and they're writing it down in their book. <laughs> wow. Big fans of Back to the Future. <laughs> <laughs> I do parent the Jedi assholes. Jeez. Leave these kids alone. That's a good kid. I mean, I don't. Should be tormented. Well, his name first honestly, of all, and it's 2019. Honestly, he's so young whatever. enough, and his parents are young enough where they probably don't. Don't even that know. Mo- that movie's old, man. Yeah, right. That movie's so old. Right. It's young. Millennials are like 38. Everything. Hey, my other kid, James, you got a problem with that? That's Zeke, but uh, <laughs> James. <laughs> Good God. Dad, I want to play first base. Ah! I'm going to kick myself. Good God. Coach Ben will put me in the back. Who's got the bat? <laughs> Who's going to get the bat? Mariota! 1.21 bases. Uh, can I call it out? One, two, three, four. There's <laughs> only three strikes. Probably just not talk about that. <laughs> We're not even talking about a real kid anymore. Oh. We're talking about <laughs> James Brown. I thought There's not a real kid on my team named James Brown. Oh, that's amazing. A one, two, three, four. Back to me. All right, go ahead. Waylon's detoxing, right? How's he doing? Probably kind of healthy. No, he leaves the house in Phoenix and spends the month detoxing by himself. Huh. Yeah, he just power wells. He's like, I'm not going to do it. 1985, Waylon Tees up Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash, Chris Kosakis in the form. The Highwaymen. Hey, they had a hit with the song. Um, Highwaymen. Okay. I was going to say <laughs> Jim. Yeah, what Jim, about Jim? Jim. Who wore a tie today was the first one I ever wore. Yeah. Nice. Desperado's on it tonight. Desperado. What? Desperado And then what was the other? Oh, the Highwaymen. The Highwaymen. Highwaymen. Come any closer, old guy, old guy. Get a sword and shield by my side. That's excellent. They had a young teenager. They had a 1990 follow-up album called The Highwaymen 2. The Highwaymen 2, did they? Yeah, didn't do as well. Yeah, I don't think I... I It was not well received. Not well received. Since stopping cocaine, Waylon smoked six packs of cigarettes a day. Well, that wasn't bad for him. No, a doctor recommended it. Oh, no. Not like vaping's not bad for you today? You realize that, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Had had an inclination to want gut? Yeah. So Waylon keeps touring up, though, until about 1997. He even played the 96 Lollapalooza tour. Really? Yeah. That's cool. 1988, though, he quit cigarettes for good. February 13, 2003, age 64, Waylon Jennings dies in his sleep due to overdose. He's buried at the city of Mesa Cemetery in Michigan.
quotes from Waylon. Take your tongue out of my ass. That's pretty much what I'm saying. <laughs> if you'd like to learn more, really good book by Jason Fry. It's called The Spiritual Progression of Christianity by Waylon Jennings, everybody. He was one of those first country singers to come out of that, I guess this makes sense, the outlaw The outlaw country, yeah, man. To come out where they didn't need national anthems. That was the thing, too, is that he was one of the first people to negotiate royalty rights away from countries and like 5 or 10% royalty rights from Sonic and Jack Black and there's a whole bunch more I'm going to get stuck on here, but he's really the one that did that for sure. Yeah, he broke the shackles of the of the king, went out yep. and did it himself. Yep, crossed and over, did a lot of, he never recorded with people he didn't want to record with. They're like, hey, we need you and uh, either Kim or whatnot to do a song. He's like, nope, not doing it. And he was good. Stuck to his guns. He couldn't have done that unless he had talent. Right. I mean, he had a, he sparked a chord with with, with a lot of his audience. Yeah, he was very relatable. Yeah, man. At that small field. 60s, 70s, all the way till 1990s. Yep, counterculture revolution sort of thing. Yeah, was and it didn't hurt to get on board with a couple of the uh, big names back then, Ooh, minus yeah. Chris Christopherson. <laughs> I knew that was coming back. I'm like, poor Chris Christopherson's probably like, why is he an actor? Why is he an actor <laughs> slash and or a uh, musician? I don't know. He's talented, and he had a couple of number one hits, actually. I saw it in the sidebar when I was doing my research and stuff. He had a couple of songs. He was a flash in the pan, you know, like Chumbawamba or, you know. And if you if y'all if y'all don't know who he is, y'all gotta Google it. Yeah, don't worry about he it. He was the bad guy in the first uh, 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 what is it? Um, what's that? Iron Man. You know, not 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 the this you know the second Iron Man. Oh, was like Downey Jr. Jeff, what's his name? <laughs> that's the dude. That's Lebowski. Oh no, yeah, that's not Chris Christopherson. <laughs> yeah, that's Lebowski, bro. No, no what, what Jeff movies Daniels was Chris Christopherson? I don't know. Hold on, we're gonna look. Oh, Brian, live, live searching. Enter, enter, entertain the audience while I IMDb this guy. Well, if you guys know where Chris Christopherson movies were filmed, hit us up on our social medias on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Crime and Music. That's not actually how it's pronounced, but the rest of them, all Crime and Music. Find us on the interwebs there. Check out our website, CrimeandMusic.com. We even bespeak part numbers. And uh, I'm gonna put some pressure on Frank. No, 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 no. You're gonna. Stuff online, but we'll see what we can do at the end with another crime and music. There's all these.